You're listening to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. Conversations with creatives during the quarantine. Hey people, welcome to Stir Crazy. I'm Steve Jenkins. I really appreciate you listening. Today is Monday, April 27th as I say all this. And by the time you hear it, it'll probably be at least April 28th. But before we get into it, I wanted to mention a few things, and I'm not being paid to say this at all, I just wanted to talk about Bandcamp for a minute. Bandcamp is absolutely my favorite of all the music platforms. There's no better place to put your music if you're an artist. It's just a better business model than streaming. I get that streaming has its place and we're in a streaming world, but most people know nobody really makes that much money from streaming in general. So if you want to show some love and directly support the artists that you care about, consider buying some of their music this Friday, May 1st, off of Bandcamp. Because once again, they're going to be waiving all of its revenue sharing and giving artists 100% of the sales. And here's the statement that I got from the front of Bandcamp's website. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact all of us, and artists have been hit especially hard as tours and shows are canceled for the foreseeable future. With such a major revenue stream drying up almost entirely, finding ways to continue supporting artists in the coming months is an urgent priority for anyone who cares about music and the artists who create it. On March 20th, 2020, we waived our revenue share in order to help artists and labels impacted by the pandemic. The Bandcamp community showed up in a massive way, spending $4.3 million on music and merch, 15 times the amount of a normal Friday helping artists cover rents, mortgages, groceries, medications, and so much more. It was truly inspiring. But the pandemic and its impact on the music community aren't over. So on May 1st, June 5th, and July 3rd, which is the first Friday of each month, we're waiving our revenue share for all sales on Bandcamp from midnight to midnight Pacific time on each day. Musicians will continue to feel the effects of lost touring income for many months to come. So we're also sharing some ideas below on how fans can support the artists they love and how artists can give fans new creative ways to provide support. It may sound simple, but the best way to help artists is with your direct financial support. And we hope you'll join us throughout the coming months as we work to support artists in this challenging time. And that comes from Ethan Diamond, who's the co-founder and CEO of Bandcamp. I have both of my albums, Mad Science, and Steve Jenkins and the Coaxial Flood are available on Bandcamp, and they are priced modestly so you can purchase other things, and as well you should. I should also note that Mad Science I recently put up there for the March 20th sale, and it's got some live bonus tracks from a trio gig from 2006 with the amazing Dana Hawkins on drums and my good friend Dave Fuszynski on guitar. Um, But the real reason why I wanted to say all this besides plugging my own stuff is that just about everyone who's been on Stir Crazy so far has music on Bandcamp. And I'm talking about Damian Erskine, Brian Beller, Kave Rastagar, Mike Keneally's new project, MFTJ. They all have music or albums that they've played on that are being sold on Bandcamp. Um, There's a record by a great guitar player named Scott Newell, uh, which features myself and today's guest on Bandcamp. Um, I should also mention that today's guest also has a lot of other cool recordings. You can also get on Bandcamp with people like Knower, Jay-Z Replacement, Mark Juliana Beat Music, his own project Whose Hat Is This, and many others. On the show today, I'm talking to none other than Tim LaFave. 
Tim is one of my favorite bass players. Shit, chances are he's probably one of your favorite bass players. The first time I heard Tim was when Matt Rubano and I went to see Wayne Krantz play at the 55 Bar in New York City, which was back in 1996. I don't even know if we were 21 years old yet. But at this point, I'd only heard Wayne's studio recordings and then there was a live album called Two Drink Minimum. The rhythm section on Two Drink Minimum was Zach Danziger on drums and Lincoln Goins on bass. So I naturally assumed that that's what we were about to watch. Nope. There was a tall guy unpacking a Fender Jazz bass and another guy carrying in some drum stuff with, I think, bleach blonde hair. That night, the rhythm section was Tim LaFave and Keith Carlock. And they lit that place up, man. I remember how powerful that music sounded. Luckily, a lot of these nights were documented somehow, and if you want to really go on a deep dive, you can go to YouTube and search for Wayne Krantz gigs from 1996 onward, and you'll find some gems there. You can also get Wayne's 1999 record, Greenwich Mean, which is probably one of the most influential recordings for me personally, and then some other live things he put out over the years, like your basic live and then your basic live 2006. That trio has been really well documented, but there's other people who made recordings and have finally started to upload those to YouTube. Um, so definitely check those out. For most people who like interesting music, Tim is someone that's been on the scene forever. He's played with great folks like Dave Binney, Lenny Stern, Uri Kane. He was involved with some original projects like Boomish and later on Rudder. Tim was also a big component in playing electronic music and live drum and bass. He was in Jojo Mayer's Nerve, and uh, he employed analog instruments like the bass guitar and combined it with the use of effects while nailing all of its sonic qualities. It's weird. You'd think we would have talked more about effects and gear, but we actually didn't do it that much. Tim has spoken a lot about this over the years, so it's definitely well documented. But anyway, Tim is responsible for pioneering a particular setting on the Boss OC2 octave pedal, which sounds like a sine wave and has a sub-bass kind of effect to it. And just so everyone knows what I'm talking about, that sounds a little bit like this. Tim moved to L.A. about 10 years ago, and in that time, he was in Tedeschi Trucks Band for a while, and then he also continued to play with a lot of people that he played with in New York, such as Donnie McCaslin's band. Donnie's a great saxophone player, and also in that band is Mark Giuliano on drums and Jason Lindner on keys. And as everyone knows, and for those that don't, it was Donnie's band, which was the backing band for David Bowie's final album, and a real masterpiece of a record, that being Black Star. I spoke to Tim a couple weeks after he returned to the States after being on tour for a while overseas. And I need to say this just for the sake of context. Our conversation takes place about two weeks into the shelter-in-place order in California, so things were a little bit different back then, and since that time, things in the United States have especially gotten way darker and more ramped up in terms of casualties and people suffering from COVID-19. In any case, Here's our conversation. How's post-quarantine life been? I guess we're like two weeks in, huh? I mean, so far, it's staying really busy because I started a Patreon page with my wife. But <clears throat> other than that, I'm just trying to hunker down and not, you know, I'm trying not to go out. Although I, I went to the, uh, I probably, you probably saw that on Twitter. I went to Bristol Farms yesterday and it's just the vibe is so bad. I, I don't know what the fuck I did it for, but I did it. I mean, I needed to get food, but 
still probably not a good time to go out. I mean, half the people wearing masks. It's just a shit show, you know. I haven't gone grocery shopping since like two weeks ago, and yeah. I've sort of been trying to order like the healthier versions of takeout, like whenever I can. But I'm probably going to stop doing that. Um, Why? I feel. Um, I don't know, man. Like I. There's a couple places that are like pretty decent and they they're good with the social distancing. Like you just roll up and like there's nobody in there. You just walk in and grab your bag and walk out. Right. But but it's yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like those early seasons of The Walking Dead where you saw what they did to get supplies, like they go into the towns and get supplies to like when they needed shit. Like I feel like that's what grocery shopping is like now. And and it's been really bizarre to see I have a Trader Joe's near me, which is pretty cool because they keep the line. Uh, they keep a line, and then they don't let that many people in at a time. But it's just, it's just a lot, man. It's like pretty, pretty nerve wracking. Like, like last week when I first got back from from the tour I was on, I was like, ah, oh, cool. You know, I, I was extra precautious, or extra extra cautious, I should say. But but this time I was like, sort of, man. I mean, I was totally cautious too. But like now everybody else is being. It's just, it's just weird, you know. Uh, you know, I think I think the whole country's been late to the ball, late to the ball game, and it's it's not going to end up good. But whatever. I mean, what do I know? I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but I just saw on Facebook. My sister, my sister's a doctor, and she she just uh, she just tested negative. Thank God. Oh man. Although, yeah. Although the guy I was well, here's the drummer I was on. I was on tour with Jay Z Replacement, which is Zenya Strigolev and Jamie Murray, and I think Jamie Murray had it. He was he was bedridden for four or five days. So, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, do you know Nadia Ackerman? She's like Australian or something. Yeah, exactly. She got it. She was in the hospital for three, four days. Uh, she okay now? Yeah, she's okay now. But I mean, you know, it seems like everybody our age is sort of surviving it. It's just a rough couple of days, you know. Yeah, it's weird, man. Like I've talked to some people about this, uh, this whole thing. Like Brian Beller was telling me he had swine flu, like back. Or he had H1N1, like, back, like, 10 years ago. And he said it took him out for a few days. I think he said he was actually on the road when he had it. So, yeah, it's it's pretty fucking weird, man. So how's the uh, how's the Patreon been, like, live from Blackbird? Uh, I haven't joined anything yet, but I've been checking it out. Um, how do you like the online content thing versus just playing out? You know, like, have you, have you noticed anything particularly – that you dig or is it sort of like a weird has it been like a weird transition uh yeah i mean it's well it's, it's by necessity so i can't you know to have any feelings about it is sort of sort of useless honestly it's just it's just kind of it's just a different way of presenting stuff it's more fun i mean it's not more fun but it's it's uh how can i describe it you know you sort of have to like cater your stuff to people's desire. I mean, you know, basically we're just putting out whatever the hell we want to do and just asking people if it's still cool, you know, like, like asking people, is everybody cool with what's of the content and all that stuff. And, you know, cause you know, I, as you know, I don't teach very much. So like when I do do lessons online, I'm just like everything, you know, I'm asking people for suggestions and you know what I mean? Cause, uh, when I, when I do do teach lessons in person, it's, it's just like, you know, well, what do you want to do? You know, what, what kind of things you're looking for to improve on and blah, 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 you know, so this time I'm just it's a more general thing. I I think right now because no one's making any money either. It's like a way cheaper alternative, you know what I mean? People are paying like 50 bucks a month for basically four lessons a month. They're like 20 minutes long, but they're still I'm trying to cover as much as I would cover in a in a regular lesson. So so, you know, 
it's more it's much more uh uh economic for people to do it this way right now you know what i mean you know how it is like you go on the road like oh you do you teach them just like well i you know i've never had time until now it's pretty funny yeah I've been getting more into that over the years, like the online thing, and uh, it's been cool. Yeah, I don't. Your, your Scott's bass lessons are awesome. That stuff's really oh, good. Thanks, man. Yeah, I have a few different things out, um, and you know, it just kind of depends on like what people are asking. I just put something out that's more just about like grooves, and it's all usable stuff for like right. just trying to find like a like a median point um, that's different than stuff that's out there, but. It's weird, man, because, I mean, do you find that people ask questions that are actually kind of, like, it's, like, none of the stuff maybe that, like, you would expect people to ask, like, it's just basic shit, like, what's, you know, like, how do I, how do I embellish this part, or how do I, like, use this part of my vocabulary for this? What kind of stuff do people tend to ask you about that maybe isn't, like, the obvious stuff? Yeah, I mean, I wish it was, like, that specific. I mean, usually it's like, well, what's your favorite pedal setup? I'm just like, what do you... Like some guy on Instagram is asking me, like, what's your current synth setup? It's just like, I, I, you know what I mean? It's like my pedal board. I, it goes from day to day. It's like, how the, on God's earth can I answer that? You know, what I mean? it's like, take a lesson, dude. What's your favorite pedal board right now? It's just like, these things are gigantic questions that take hours. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, just, I think people just whip off these questions without thinking about what the answers might be. It's just like, I don't, you know. Okay, so for her since right now I'm, I'm using the Volca kick a lot, you know? All right. So there, but like, how interesting is that? It's, it's, there's no context to it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's just one of those things where it's just kind of, sometimes I get broadsided by these questions and it's really hard to answer them without going into it for hours. You know what I mean? Hopefully like I, I can cover that in, in what I'm doing on Patreon, you know, without giving away all the secrets. Although at this point there are no secrets as you know, <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I mean, I, I I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that in the dark. It's not a dark thing either. It's just, it's just, you know, very much until until now, I haven't had time to even deal with any of that stuff. So it's just like, I can't even deal with that question right now, you know? <clears throat> yeah, not very much yeah. gets gets left alone. But I mean, I, I I mean, I guess the the one advantage I had, maybe other folks in New York, like I remember I've, I've seen different iterations of the pedals. Like I remember there was definitely a gig at the 55 where you had two OC2s and you had like dif the different settings, like you had the sub setting and then you had the just yeah. straight up octave yeah. setting. I remember that. I think the only time you ever gave me like any kind of gear primer was just about using an overdrive, like to be heard above like a kick drum. I think that was like, I just remember that gig. It was like at Zebulon, like in Williamsburg and like Zach, yeah. Zach kept restarting his computer cause it kept fucking up. Like it was like, he had a MacBook and it was like, I don't know, he kept like restarting it. But, but yeah, I think that was the, that was the one thing. Like that was hard one knowledge just from living in the same city and going out to shit. Yeah. I mean, then, you know, but that actually it took years, but, but then Spencer Dorn saved me from all that with the, when he made that octaver for me, cause he, he peeped that. It's <laughs> funny. So, you know, instead of me having to bend over and change this or, well, that actually using two of them was, was cool using two OC2s, but now the Octaver, not to shill for it because I actually don't make a dime, but it, to me, it's the best Octa pedal out there. And, uh, you know, by having the solo sub switch, it just saves you that, that trouble and space on your, in your bag for pedals, you know? Yeah. I still need to sit with one. I haven't, I, I'm, I suck, man. I haven't gotten to do that oh, man. you got you got to do your thing it's it's i'm not even i'm just saying like like i don't know how like i love people who are like 
my my media guy's the same thing. He like he kind of like like gets to stuff that you don't think of. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what what if I do this here? Like it's it's the same thing Spencer did. It's like, well, he keeps doing this, so maybe I can save him the trouble and do this and just design some shit. It's like amazing. I don't think that way. Um, speaking of fifty-five, you guys just you just Krantz just did a you guys just did like a like a was like a twentieth anniversary tour. Is that sort of was that sort of the the thing? Like just KCL did like a uh, like a run. I don't know. I, it was no anniversary involved. It was just we just kind of went back out. You know, he Wayne just finished his record, and we just we you know after we did the Iridium gig where it was just mobbed, and you know, Keith was back in the fold, and it was just like, well, why don't we just do a tour and, I, and like i was kind of the biggest champion of it at first and so uh we ended up doing it i mean you know <laughs> it's like going in and out of all these like coronavirus hotspots, and then you know it was sort of semi-cursed but but we basically sold out every night which is pretty nuts um that's great yeah incredible i mean people you know just it was heartwarming to see that people wanted to still see that band yeah it was, it was kind of a mob scene the whole the whole tour which was awesome so how long were you guys were actually in china was it like a couple weeks or was it oh it was, you know like four days but it was, okay wow man but it was like you know the thing that got me worried was you know you know i got there i was on that shanghai flight to shanghai that that uh the engine failed and, and then they turned around over la and dumped fuel on us on that school <laughs> it's unbelievable oh, shit. that that's how that tour started dude it's unbelievable so <laughs> wow know, so that's how that started and then yeah we then we kind of went to china in the middle of the coronavirus outbreak and then then we, you know, then we kind of chased us around. You know, it was funny, like that whole tour, like, you know, we were flying all over the place in the U.S. And I, I never saw the CDC, nothing until uh, March 1st in LAX. Like n- no, nobody monitoring anything. Pretty crazy. Wow. So yep. did they, I mean, did they like vet you and ask you where you've been and stuff or was it yeah, kind of? That was all they did. They didn't test me, no nothing, you know. Jesus, man. Okay. Hey, well, you know, they're short on tests, so like if you don't showing symptoms, they won't test you. <clears throat> Period. So, I mean, I would imagine I'm a carrier, but you know, what am I going to do? <clears throat> if they won't test me, they won't test me. So, well, the good the good news is I can sleep. I mean, this 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 hiatus right now, we can sleep our asses off. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's been pretty it's been pretty strange overall, man, like cuz over in my neck of the woods, um, I'm in Sherman Oaks. Like I'll hear sirens, and I'm like, "What's what could possibly be going on right now?" Where there's right. like, you know, but it's <laughs> it's weird, man. Because to your point earlier, uh, I was in Burbank doing something. I can't remember what. I think I was running an errand, or I might have been going to like shop or something. But drove right by a gun store, and it was just like those photos, like lying out the door. So, I mean, it's it's just a weird. It's just weird, man. Oh. I don't get. That would freak me out. Not good. No. What other stuff uh, you got going on, man? Are you doing any like tracking for people, or are you just uh, just kind of working on the Patreon stuff? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got a bunch of open projects. I'm, uh, you know, I'm having a hard time getting done. Well, and then a friend of mine who works at an uh, advertising house had us scoring a commercial last weekend, so. You know, that took up a lot of time. So, like, I'm still, <clears throat> despite being home and having all this time, I'm still behind the eight ball, which is just hilarious. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, some of the stuff is paid. Anybody who's paying me to track, I'm, I'm doing, trying to do that first. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's just always some stuff in the can. Like, you know, as you go along, people are like, oh, let's do this. And, you know, like, we just released that video 
of uh, Rachel's song with Matt Musty yesterday. Yeah, are you doing most of the video editing yourself, or, or who's doing that stuff? No, Rachel's doing that. Rachel Eckroth. Oh, right on, right on. I've That's got cool. a couple little things. I, mean, I, I have a basic knowledge of iMovie, so I can throw some crude stuff together. But she's she's pretty decent at it, and also she's got a really nice camera with this helping matters so yeah that's that's the story and um yeah so generally just kind of trying to like keep the music business rolling while while it's down for the count live you know so what do you think's going to happen when all this is done i want to hear your opinion on that actually and then i'll tell you mine <laughs> uh you know it's weird man i i don't know because i think i mean i think this whole thing exposes a lot of stuff and I think, you know, our like the business that we're in, uh, I mean, I feel like it's sort of been in a weird transition anyway, like just with the whole advent of technology. And it just seems like even though people are going to things like there's a lot of stuff that's going straight to the phone. And so I think there's people who maybe never considered the online component of their career. And so they're working on that. But like, I think the thing I've, I'm, I'm realizing, and, and this is probably broader than just the music business, it just seems like a lot of stuff can exist when there's, when there's like confidence in it, you know? And so if people can't go someplace and not risk their life, I don't think they're going to go. And I think that presents a big existential problem for like, for musicians and people in the theater and, chefs and stuff and even like food trucks you know what i mean like i just think yeah. that's a whole that's a whole arm of the economy that's based on the belief that you're not going to hurt yourself if you go participate right that's a huge part of it i mean you know like when yeah and also like when's the you know the, the drawing what's the line like like when are people going to feel safe to go to do that stuff again you know what i mean it's, it's crazy to contemplate but it might be a long ass time you know what i mean how soon are people going to feel safe to go out i mean there's also you know, those people in the middle of the country don't give a shit, and they're just going out anyway. But <clears throat> that's a problem. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. I, I just, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a shit show, honestly. I mean, I, I'm I'm on the pessimistic side. Like I was saying this, like as soon as I got home from Madrid and I saw the situation around the world, I was like, this, the music business is dead for at least six months. Like, if they're postponing the Olympics, then I don't see how any but any summer tours happen. I don't see how. You know, you know what I mean? It's like I just can't see it. I mean, barring some, you know what I'm saying? I, I just, I, if people at all err on the, on the side of caution, I think summer tours don't happen. You know, maybe it'll get back rolling again in the fall. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so I haven't I haven't formulated any game plan, you know, besides just trying to, keep, you know, in just in case I can see if I can grow this Patreon thing. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't, you know, everything just went into the, into the toilet, you know, <laughs> for everybody. It's unfathomable you know what i mean like anybody in the, my brother's a bartender like he you know anybody in the service industry is also fucked you know because you okay it requires people coming to nobody's going to bars right now and it's like the people would you know that's probably why so many people got sick in new york people were in, packing bars out until until cuomo shut them down you know i think that's the that's the biggest obstacle though that's really the part of the economy that I don't really believe is reflected in the stock market. It's not, it's, it's just, it's maybe it's based on like projections, but I think confidence is what drives the economy. And I think if people are like, Hey, I might, I might hurt myself if I 
if I do this thing, then people just aren't going to do it. And, and then, you know, if you think about like the symbiotic relationships that people have, especially with festivals, it's like, okay, like if, if people aren't going to be safe or they don't feel safe to go see a show, the bands playing are not going to feel safe performing the people that are vendors there. They're not going to want to like invest their thing. And the people that rent like the, the Porta Johns and the security, like they're not going to, you know, so it's like this huge domino effect and it's, yep. it's, it's pretty fucking bad. That's why they're kind of trying to pull it together right now, because it, right now it's crashing and burning. It's like a little, so many people out of work. It's like pretty nuts, <clears throat> you know, and it's like, uh, you know, how does it, how does it play out from here? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what they passed. I think there's some, there's some help for gig economy people. So, I don't know how much, but but there's, it, there's something in there. I'm pretty sure, which is cool, you know, because I, I, I I'm I'm following this thread on uh, on uh, Facebook. It's like the COVID-19 musicians out of work thread. It's like mostly like Broadway guys and stuff, but um, somehow I got invited to it. Um, but That's yeah, cool. it's sort of uh, yeah, it's a dark place. It's like you know, all these all these people are just out of work. Those guys are like more likely to get unemployment and stuff though because they were on a payroll you know what i mean like sort of broadway's paying them a payroll but so they have provable papers like people like you and i who are freelancing have nothing yeah. you know nothing to show you know no i mean it's i mean it's been like wild west for for us like forever man i mean i i've had a pretty okay year too so far yeah like work-wise like i've been fairly busy um but Good. which has been cool yeah and and this is actually giving me time to work on stuff I was going to work on anyway. Um, but yeah, in the long term, I don't know what's going to happen because, you know, I don't want to, I don't really want to deplete my savings and I got to figure out some stuff. So definitely don't deplete your savings. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, no, cause you, you know, you just don't know. I'm not saying that to be dire. It's just, but it just, you don't know how this is going to play out. There may be no work for like a year, but you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm prepared for that. I'm, you know, if you want optimism, don't come to me. I, I'm I'm totally, you know, of the <laughs> mind that, that it's over for the year. You know what I mean? I could. Yeah, no. I hope I'm wrong, but I like realism, man. That's always been my my brand of choice. You know, even with like the kind of I've been. I mean, I haven't really been in top form on the socials with some of this stuff because it's kind of you know it's it's scary, so it's hard to like, you know. Yeah. There's only so many takes. But your your game is always on, though. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't seen any noticeable drop off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I I get a couple good ones in there, man. Uh, I feel like it's cool that there's technology that's available, just you know, to stay in touch with people, you know. And, and in this case, like I've been talking to folks and documenting it because when this is all done, I don't think anybody's really going to know what it was like for musicians during this time. And it just seemed like an interesting thing to do just to see what people are up to. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, do, do people call us back for our gigs or, you know, like how, how does this, how does this play out? I, I don't even know how, any, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, great. I'm in the black crows. You know, is that going to happen? And am I still in the band when it, I think, I think it'll be fine, but you know, there's other people who are going to lose their gigs over this, you know? So it's like, yeah, who knows? Just, you know, just from like the, the dormancy of things not happening. Yeah, and just like, well, I've wanted to move on from this guy. Like, it's got to be some serious Darwinism. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, yeah, kill or be killed out there. You know what I mean? So, so, so that's why, like, I'm always kind of like looking out for number one career wise. You know what I mean? And so I think, um, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's probably like if if the green light hap- starts happening again, it's just sort of like you know, well, you've got to it, it's still going to be fend for yourself, and you got to be careful and, and blah blah blah. I don't know. I'm just uh, I haven't really. You're making me think about it again. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, I just I just I haven't formulated my like. You, you just don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, it's, it's there's no use even. You know, right now all I know is I'm just trying to pay my rent. You know, to get that going. Well, I have some money left over from the tours that I just did, <clears throat> so that'll last a little while. But you know, beyond that, then I'll be eating into savings, like you said. So, trying not to do that. It's been it's been weird, man. I mean, but but I I feel like people will make it somehow. I'm not surprised that we're kind of left to our own devices with this shit. You know, like I don't yeah. know leadership from the top i mean everyone kind of figured it was probably going to be like that that's that's the one thing that i think has really made this probably more difficult in the states than it needed to be and that's probably why like people people didn't stay in you know because everyone just heard oh it's mostly old people so then it's like okay cool i'm gonna go to daytona beach you know um yeah so yeah that was that was a scene god yeah I don't know. I mean, like, do you live near a lot of people? Or are you guys kind of? I, have, I haven't been out to the to the ranch yet, man. But are you guys like? Do you have like neighbors and shit? Or are you kind of spread out from that? Yeah, it's it's super suburbs out here. It's it's very, um, uh, you know, it, it, like my, we have neighbors who are very helpful around the street. But you know, a lot of people like now people are talking. It's like nine eleven. Like now people are talking to each other, and you know, but they, I've never met any of these people before, and usually you get no. You know, no acknowledgement from any of them, but we're all in the same boat. <clears throat> so, like, you know, like hopefully, you know, there's kind of a kindred spirit about it right now, which is cool, you know. But, uh, yeah, it, there's definitely no crowds out here, that's for sure. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's uh, just, uh, it's a quiet, like, suburb. So it's like, it's cool, you get your space. But, you know, like I said, I went to, I put it on Twitter, I went to, I went to uh, Bristol Farms yesterday. I'm regretting it. I, you know, I hope I didn't catch it from there yesterday. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Yeah, it's weird. I've been, dude, I had to get like, you know, I feel like kind of a jerk for letting this happen. But um, I had to get a new car because uh, I lease and my lease maturity date occurred like last week. So I had to like swap out and get a new car and like. I felt bad just kind of sitting in that dealership all day. Like, Oh yeah. That. Cause it was like, yeah. there's no urgency yeah, with that stuff. And, uh, it just took forever. And I was like, yo, can I just, can we just like kind of just drop this loot and can I get out of here? You know, it was just, it was just took forever. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I that industry is going to probably, yeah. I mean, what do you mean? Car leasing? Yeah. They're just just in general, like people looking at vehicles. Although I will say this, man, like that's the most sterile thing that I that I have right now is that car. So like if shit goes down, I'm going to go in there, man, because there's nothing in there. Like there's no, (laughs) you know, man, just just, you know, lock up your car, like put put those uh, sun reflectors around it and just go crash on that thing. I know. I I mean, I don't blame you at all. That'd be that'd be, you know. Yeah, I mean it's got a big enough backseat. I can I can practice back there and work on tracks and shit. It's fine. I could do it. Yeah. I mean that's one thing I will say like about this this period. Like there's gonna be a lot of good music coming out of this. So, you know, to anybody who's listening to this, is just write your asses off and see what happens, you know. I, I actually had an interesting conversation with my friend Nick. You know Nick Rosen? He's like he, he kinda like he used to curate a lot of stuff at the 
at this at Sayers Club and all this stuff. He's kind of a mover and shaker. But he's he's he sent me this article that said like independent artists are gonna are starting to like catch up if not pass any like like the revenue that their independent scene is generating is is starting to pass what's on labels, which is cool. Like I think next year it's supposed to be like two billion dollars or something like that. You know, just tours, oh, wow. merch, record sales. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So like there's hope on that front. You know what I mean? Like I think I think things are turning towards you know indie indie things. It's just you know how do you get out there and get noticed and how do you compete against you know indie people who really have it together. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I think there's ways you can use even the technology that kind of like smacks us down. Like I know you can you can figure out who's listening to your stuff when you when you go on Spotify. Um, but yeah, dude. Like I mean, did you do you have music on Bandcamp? Right? Did you do? Um, I did pretty well, man. Like. Okay. From last Friday, cool. I mean, I I kind of you know I sweeten the deal. I put two live tracks that are like probably 15 years old from like my first record. It was like some some cool live versions of tunes with uh, like Fuse and Dana Hawkins, and you know I talked to those guys both before I did it just to make sure they weren't gonna be pissed. Um, yeah, but like yeah, man, people people bought shit. I was pretty impressed, and then I I tried to buy stuff as well. Um, and give some of it back. But I was, I was pretty surprised how much money like, I think Bandcamp made like, like, I mean, I'll have the numbers close to like four mil or something just oh, from cool. that one day. Um, which means so, you made four mil. The artist made four mil. I mean, I mean that, that was the plan anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The artist that's made cool. four mil. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Um, I, I don't think I did. I don't, you know, cause everything I have on Bandcamp is on Ropadope. So I don't, I didn't get, I didn't make a taste. Uh, I have to okay. sort of, maybe I should think about, I mean, you know, we're, we're starting all these tracks here and, and putting them out on our Patreon page, but maybe we could just, I'm, I suppose it would be right. You have to set up your own artist page on Bandcamp, right? To do it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's been I great. Man. That cause, yeah. No, I just, I'm not, an, I'm not an artist on anything. So like, you know, I've just been sidemanning or, or it's collaborations with other people. So, you know, I haven't been in charge of that stuff. I probably should get that together. Yeah, it's been cool, man. I, um, you know, when I la- released my last record, um, I did it basically Bandcamp facing forward. Like, you know, I put it elsewhere, but I had a pre-order thing and it was pretty great. Um, just, just how that worked this is a way to promote it and get people to, you know, interested in it and stuff. And, um, I don't know, but I mean, you've done a lot of DIY stuff over the course of your career, man. Like, I mean, the way Wayne has his sort of business acumen and then Rudder was basically all like independent, right? I mean, you guys, yeah, that was homemade. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was homemade. That was working too. Henry, Henry Hay is pretty, pretty shrewd with that stuff. You know, he's, he's figured out what works and what doesn't. And, you know, like, like a couple of years ago, he's like, well, you know, cause he's, he's been in trying to do records and write with people. And then he saw that the money was disappearing from that. And he's like, well, the only way I'm going to make money is to play live. So he's been out, you know, pushing fork. And, uh, you know, right. unfortunately, he got hosed by, he was supposed to go to Japan. That all got canceled. So he's out like six grand in flights. And, although oh, probably, yeah. I think probably they got refunds at this point. I'm sure. Because uh, the, the airlines were offering that up, I think. But, you know, still, it's the perils of being a band leader, right? Yeah. Yeah, you got to, like, <laughs> deal with the funds of that. And then when shit goes weird. But yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of that stuff I'm hearing like airlines have been kind of cool about refunds and car rental companies, maybe not so much. Um, they're like a lot of people. I mean, I, that's what I, that's what I was saying before. Like, I think a lot of businesses are kind of being exposed by this because, 
you start to see who's kind of running their shit like a Ponzi scheme or who maybe just they're making money, but it's going back out. So they need the money that's coming in to keep them afloat. Um, and it so, rhymes like it rhymes with airlines. <laughs> like, like, like no seriously it's like like you know i keep reading about all this you know like they're making billions like you know like i i, I sometimes it's because i fly a shitload so like i yeah. want i i you know delta does some stupid shit and then i and then i look it up like i look up how much these guys are making united american they're all making over it like their profits are a billion dollars you know what i mean like they're yeah. making a billion dollars and then you're going to treat people like this and then you're going to ask for a bailout where's the money you know what i mean like like it's insane. Yeah, it's not. Go? It's not going to the pilots. One of my friends, he flies for Alaska, and um, this is a buddy of mine that I went to like elementary school with, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he was like, "Hey, man, come hang uh, down by LAX. Like, I'm in town for a couple days, and that's just like typical for them. But they kind of shack up in these bunks, so it's all pilots, and they have like these bunk beds, and they all just kind of sleep there in between their flights." Um, right. and I'm just like, man, like, how do you get good sleep and, and kind of like have a job like that? But I guess that's just how they do it, man. It's like having like a, I don't know, like when I was still going back and forth between New York and Boston for gigs, I had a crash pad and I slept well enough. It didn't affect my performances or whatever, but you know, it's like, it just doesn't seem, you know what I mean? It just doesn't seem like there's no glamour in some of that stuff. And, uh, oh no, yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing things as cheaply as possible. I mean, obviously, you know, all the the flight attendants have crash pads too. It's like they're not making that much money. I mean, they're really not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they're, they're doing it out of love more than anything. So it's, yeah, super, super, uh, yeah. They're and they, and they don't get paid until the flight leaves the ground, till till it's wheels up. You know, it's interesting. Are there any books, records, or movies that you've been digging that you'd recommend? Like, since we everyone's got some time to check stuff out. Uh, let's see, books. Um, I'm reading like a. <clears throat> what am I reading? I'm reading two books right now, and I'm, I'm not even getting through them because I haven't had much time. One of them's. Uh, let me look at these things. Hang on. Still hear me? Yep. Oh, cool. oh I just went. went so one of them is called Malibu Burning. It's the story of the uh, the, the fires in um, you know, the Wilsey fire. It's probably by it's by Robert Kerbeck. It's pretty good. And then the other one I'm reading is The Pentagon's Brain by Annie Jacobson. So it's basically it's about DARPA, and uh, which is like the, the America's top secret uh, military research agency. Oh shit! Yeah, it's pretty good. It's you know it's historical stuff. It's pretty nuts. Like especially when you know reading around. Although uh, what went on the on the side, you know, on, in the background of, of the Vietnam War is just absolutely mind-boggling, you know. So, does it get yeah. conspiracy theoristy type stuff at all, or no? Is it no, just... it's, it's actually factual. You know? Okay, it's basically you know like like uh, Kennedy tossed out all his all like normal like military guys from from uh, from like the military. You know, his advisors all became like Harvard graduates, like Robert McNamara's guys. Like, so all these guys that they and from the Rand Institute, which is actually in Santa Monica, crazily enough. So oh, wow. they, they uh, yeah, he just Kennedy hired all those guys to run the war, you know. So they just wow. they kind of they just break brainstorm. And, you know, that's how they came up with, with Agent Orange. You know, it was, it was initially supposed to be uh, just to, def, to, just to defoliate the and defoliate the, the trees and stuff so they could see the North Vietnamese people 
you know, I could see that Viet Cong, and then it turned into like you know, exposed like millions of Vietnamese who were all fucked up. Now it's just crazy, crazy wow, stuff. Man. Yep. Shit. And they knew it was against. They also knew it was against the Geneva Convention. It was also bananas. So. Yeah, I have to check that out. I'm still. Yeah. I'm making my way through Dune. I haven't read that book before, so I'm kind of like oh, wow. halfway through it. Yeah, it's great. Robert, um, Robert Heinlein, right? Uh, Frank Herbert. All right, all right. Yeah. Um, we'll enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, man. Any music or films? Uh, films. Let's see. I, I rented a bunch of stuff on uh, iTunes. Um, I'm watching this show called Occupied on Netflix, which is good. It's basically about how Russia... Uh, it's it's basically like about how Norway develops this like, non-fossil fuel thing, and then Russia invades and makes them go back to fossil fuels and like the, the fallout from it. And it's pretty good. Pretty, you know, it gets, it's getting a little mindless, but mostly it's, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, we, we started the tiger King last night, which is, Oh, I've been hearing about that. Yeah. It's pretty, you know, it's like typical documentary, like, haha, let's make fun of these people, that kind of thing. Um, wow. uh, I just, I saw rise of Skywalker in the movies, but, uh, I saw, yeah, I watched that again. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Um, what else? And music? Uh, yeah. Did you check out that new car mind. bomb? Oh, yeah. A little while ago. I, I, have, I have to get back into it. But it seems like really cool. Uh, let's yeah. see. What have, I, what have I checked out lately? I'm just looking at what I've added to my... I have... I have uh, Mike Madison's new records out from Tedeschi Trucks. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's funny, like, you go on, I, I, I got Apple Music, and so you, I'm checking out stuff I played on that I haven't really heard yet, so that, you know, there's that Jay-Z replacement record, um, actually, this record's cool, this uh, Krongbin and Leon Bridges called Texas Sun, just came out, it's like an EP, Okay. And I don't know how you say that, but that's cool, um, what else is good? Oh, I've been checking out those bass music like like Saruta and and Thelum. I've just been like, because I, I follow those guys on Instagram and I just see how ape shit the you know it's like it's bass music. It's basically like you know uh, dubstep, but it's kind of it's evolved into something else now, and I I really like it. Um, so I've been checking out a lot of that. Uh, some mostly electronic music, for the most part. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Some Keith cool. Jarrett. Yeah. And, you know, all, all records I used to have on vinyl or CD that, you know, I just haven't heard in a long time. So I kind of downloaded those, too. So it's cool, you know. Yeah. And then vinyl, of course. Yeah. Oh, anything cool on vinyl? That any? I mean, because I guess everything's shut down now. But any decent finds, like, like before all this shit? Yeah. Uh, what did I find? I mean, it's always a treasure. I mean, vinyl is always awesome, you know. Yeah, uh, we haven't had that much time to Rick really just sit, because we've just been running around. So like it's you know vinyl requires time also. So like you know, I haven't bought too much vinyl lately. I, I got uh, Lou Reed Transformer, which is produced by Bowie and Leo, Leo uh, um, Tony Visconti, but I haven't put it on. That's I will eventually. <laughs> uh, that's cool. You know, yeah, not a not a ton of time for it. So I collect every now and then, man. Like I kind of go once a month and I'll dig for some shit. And then that's about as much as I'll do because I still kind of like randomly finding stuff that's like like older vinyl, not like new pressings and stuff. Um, I'm always like happy to find something that's like from the original pressing or, you know, around the same time. 
Um, right, right. Yeah, like I just got 2112 on vinyl. I think that came out. I think it was like a pressing sometime in the 70s. And then uh, I've been like a, on like a pretty big rush kick because like when Neil Peart died or Neil Peart, um, when he died, it was kind of like shit, man. But that was like kind of what I came from. So been sort of diving back into that music. Yeah, I got Exit Stage Left too recently. That's pretty great. That was like my middle school record. I loved it. You know. Oh, really? Yeah. And then you yeah. know, I went down the wormhole, obviously. But but you know, I was a big Rush fan too. Yeah, I feel like that's just part of it, man. You know. Um, and I don't know. It's weird. I, I know it's like a strange thing, but like when 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 he died, I had a feeling this year was going to be fucked up, man. Because I just based on like how 2016 went, like when Bowie and Prince died, I was like, oh man, this is this isn't good, you know. Yeah. And then when when Kobe died, it was like, okay, 2020 is definitely definitely going to have some weird shit. And um, you're 100 percent right. <laughs> <laughs> so, it started off totally weird, you know. Fucking, it's crazy, man. Well, man. In any case, thanks for doing this, and I appreciate you know talking to you, and you know, glad to see the the Patreon's going well. I'm definitely gonna check it out myself. Um, but like, stay in touch, man, and be well, and stay safe, and all that. You too, brother. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. For more about Tim, go to timlafavemusic.com. There you'll find social media links. There you'll also find a link to the new Patreon that Tim was talking about that he started with his wife, Rachel Eckroth, who's an equally amazing musician that can sing, play piano, play keys and synths, and it's called Live from Blackbird. You can listen to Stir Crazy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts, new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks for listening, folks, and be well.